This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Their speech and their speech Today we're inundated by speech We're drowning in words so much words and very little light, and very little enlightenment, and very little... But then there are words that, that just stir your soul, words that just get straight to your kishkes, that really touch you, that move you. Words that are alive. So there are words and there are words. There are words that are disconnected from the soul, even though the source of the words is soul. But you don't feel any soul in the words. And then you have words that are soulful, that are like a direct directly from the soul, that from the depth of the soul, like poetry, words that have the ability to cause you to soar, to stir, to shift, to change, to move you to. These are words that are alive. So there's art, there's earth, there's world, there's words and letters, but then there's worlds that are, the world that's alive, the art that's alive, the art that's holy. These are words that are directly connected to the source of words, come from Chach. You sense the divine. These are words that are alive. You sense Hashem. That's what the verse says, that Hashem's eyes are in the land of Israel. Hashem's eyes, eyes refers to the level of Chachm. The land is alive. It's holy. It's palpable. The divine energy, the godliness is palpable. It inspires you. It can stir your soul. It's the power of Eretz Yisrael. The power of being in the holy land. As being in the Holy Land, it, 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 it touches your neshama in a very deep way, in a very powerful way. Now, Chachma, which is the root of the Holy Land, which parallels the Divine Land, Chachma receives directly from the infinite light from Hashem. Since Hashem is infinite, therefore that's the nature of Chachma. Chachma is... is constantly startled it's, it's innovation it's, it's, it's creative it's, and it's endless it's infinite like the wellspring is infinite it's not every every revelation of Hashem and Chachma is a brand new revelation not just a repetition of the same old old it's, it's like the Torah Torah is written every new Torah that's written it's like a brand it's like a new giving of the Torah it's not just rewriting the same Torah it, it's a brand new revelation giving birth to a new child, a new life, a new revelation. Because that's what Hashem is infinite. Every revelation of the infinite is brand new. And there's infinite uh, abilities. So when this infinite revelation is revealed in the Chachma, there's a renewed energy. And this transforms the words and letters. The words and letters now have a new life, a new energy to them. It's a new experience. 
Now, this is what happens every Rosh Hashanah. Every Rosh Hashanah, it's not just Hashem is recreating the world. As in the first time. The words and letters with which Hashem creates the world, and now Hashem is recreating the world. He says, every Rosh Hashanah, there's a brand new energy. It's a new, it's a new creation, in that sense. It's a brand new light. There's a new light, a new illumination, a new energy that we have never experienced before. The world has never seen before. Every Rosh Hashanah, the world reaches a higher level. Because what happens to the old energy? But the day before Rosh Hashanah, there's like a withdrawal. Light withdraws. And the analogy is when a person sleeps. When a person sleeps, your neshama withdraws, your neshama goes to heaven. What happens to the body? It leaves the body behind. The body is asleep, which is a 60th of death. There's no consciousness. There's no, you can't have eyes, you can't see, you have ears, you don't hear, your mind is not functioning, it's dreaming nonsense. So the neshama is elevated back to its source, and the body is left behind. It's not like the elevation of Shabbat. The elevation of Shabbat, of Shabbos. The body, the world, is elevated together with the energy. The world is elevated. The world is refined. That's why in Shabbat the world is holy. The physical becomes holy. It becomes a mitzvah to eat and to drink. Everything becomes holy. It becomes different. Because the world is elevated together with the energy. The, the vessel and the light together are both elevated. Here in Rosh Hashanah, before Rosh Hashanah, the day before Rosh Hashanah, the light is elevated and the body remains below. Remains in a state of dream, in a state of sleep. And that's why it's Er Rosh Hashanah is the day before Rosh Chodesh. The day before Rosh Chodesh is when the moon disappears. From the 15th, the 15th, the moon is at its peak and then it starts diminishing. We see the moon, we see the moon growing smaller and smaller. Because what happens is, it's a reflection. What happens physically is a reflection of what happens spiritually, that the energy is going back to its source, the divine energy. The moon, which receives the light from the sun, and the moon, which is, represents like the Malakalama filling the world, the moon goes back to its source. Until the day before, the day before Rosh Chodesh, the moon completely disappears. That's the day before Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the appearance of the moon, the new moon, the birth of the new moon, the first light. But what happens the day before that? The moon disappears. So in a sense, this happens every Rosh, Rosh Chodesh. This idea of withdrawal and then rebirth. But in a, in a broader way, Rosh Hashanah contains the whole year. On Erev Rosh Hashanah, which is also the Rosh Chodesh, the day before Rosh Chodesh, the energy of the entire year is withdrawn and goes back to its source. And the world is left in a state of, like, asleep, like half dead. It's like a state of faint, a state of, you know, the energy is, the energy is not there. And those who are sensitive to it, the tzaddikim, you know, the rebbe's, all the rebbe's, daven for shun and night, including the rebbe's father, would daven for hours, crying. It was like a very it was Rosh Hashanah night. It's like the world has no energy. The energy is gone. The energy is withdrawn back to its source. And you've got to bring back a new energy, a renewed energy. 
Not just bring back the same energy. Bring back a brand new energy. A higher level of energy and life that the world has never seen and experienced before. So Rosh Hashanah, they would sense that. And then Rosh Hashanah Day, that's what I think we left off, afterwards, by means of the sounding of the shofar, by means of the prayers, the second paragraph in 241, a new and superior light is elicited. That moment, that's when the light, the new energy for the year, comes to the world. So those who are sensitive, seven billion people, everyone goes about their life as if nothing happened on Rosh Hashanah. They're not sensitive to what's really going on internally, what's really happening. The Jew who's plugged in, who's so connected, senses Rosh Hashanah. Are you kidding? This is Rosh Hashanah. You know what's happening today? The whole world is being recreated. The whole energy, the whole life of the world. The world, the energy is gone. It's, 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 we're half dead. We're, we're asleep. We're... And then, through our service, the first time around Hashem created the world, Hashem created it on His own. But from that point on, now there's Adams around, now it all depends on us. Hashem said it's depending on us. An hour Teshuvah, an hour blowing of the shofar, an hour service and davening to Hashem. We now elicit that response from Hashem. Hashem is interactive. We would draw down the deeper, the more intense, the more engaged we are, the more heartfelt and soul-stirring and genuine and sincere our blowing of the shofar, our prayers, and our davening, and teshuvah, this arouses from within Hashem a very deep and very powerful response. Hashem's infinite self, Hashem responds. And He illuminates Chachma. It's a divine illumination is new energy that never existed before. Not a repeat, 5,775. It's not a repeat of the last 5,774. 5, it's a brand new energy, a higher energy. Never existed before. And this is drawn down through Chachma. It comes down into the earth, it's into the earth. And it fills all the worlds. And now the words and letters and the godly creative energy that exists within everything that exists is now renewed. And it's, not, it's a whole new experience. Not just words, but words that are alive, divine and godly. And that's the nature of godliness, the nature of the divine, the nature of godliness, the infinite. And Chachm, it's all connected to Chachm. Chachm is the window to the soul, the window to the infinite, the window to the soul country. It is constant renewal, it's dynamic, it's, it's alive, it's dynamic. It's, it's a brand new it's constant renewal and that's the cycle the withdrawal and then the renewal it's pulsating with life it's alive these are not just words and letters that are dead and disconnected these are words and letters that are alive that create that have the divine godly ability to create to give life existence so it's all connected and plugged into the infinite. Words and letters really rooted in the subconscious and the, the infinite. And therefore, they are alive. Most words and letters are not alive. But words and letters that are godly, 
are words and letters that are alive. Most lands are just lands, earth, earthiness. But Eretz, the land of Israel, is Eretz HaKadr. It's a holy land. It's a land that's alive. It's a land that's pulsating with the divine and godly energy and a sense of Hashem's presence. Because it's rooted in, in Chachm, the eyes of Hashem. It's rooted in the, which is rooted in the infinite. And the nature of the infinite, the nature of godliness is that it's new. It's always fresh. Because Hashem is infinite. There's no time space. So therefore, any experience, any encounter with the infinite, it's a brand new. It's, it's, it's always new. It's always fresh. It's always exciting. It's always as if it's for the very first time. You know, there's a very fascinating, interesting uh, explanation of Arachayim HaKadosh, who Baal Tov never met, but had he met him, he was in Israel. He said, Mashiach would have come, had they met. And very deep insights on the Parsha, on the Torah, on the, the Torah, Erechayim HaKadosh, Erechayim Ben Eta, a great Kabbalist, and he wrote a comment on brilliant Talmudic, and he wrote a commentary on the Chumash. Tradition has it that he taught his daughter's Chumash, the five books of Moshe, and he, from that came his commentary, the Orchayim. So he has right at the beginning of the Torah, Bereshis. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So he has, like many other commentaries, should have said, Bereshin, in the beginning. Why does it say Bereshis? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So he says an unbelievable insight, he says. Because Bereshis means, Bereshis, by the way, the, the Kabbalist says, refers to Chachma, the wisdom the divine wisdom God created the world with wisdom so he says Bereshis means the beginning what the Torah is telling us Bereshis Baralikim in the beginning God created heaven and earth so the Torah is telling us is that everything is in the beginning it's not like heaven is first and then comes earth but everything is in the beginning it's not like when you say a word, Bereshit. So first you have the Beis, he says, and you have the Resh, and you have the Aleph and the Shin. So it's sequential. So the first letter is the first. Then it's the second. Secondary. Then it's third. Fourth. He says, no. It's as if every letter is the first. It's as if everything that's created is the first. And that's what he says that the rabbis say in the first uh, Mishnah and Ethics of Our Fathers, chapter 5. That God created the world with ten utterances. He could have created the world with one utterance. In fact, he did create the world with one utterance. And then he said the ten utterances. And what's the first utterance? The first utterance is Bereshis. Oh. He says, because on the level of the infinite, there's no sequence. It's like a circle. Circle is a sign of the infinite. There's no beginning, there's no middle, there's no end. Could you tell me which is the first and what comes next? And what comes... Every part of, the, every point of the circle is the beginning. There's no beginning, there's no middle, there's no end. That's the nature of the infinite. Everything is beginning. So on the level of Chachma, Bereshis, which is the windows connected to the infinite, it's, it's all godly. It's all alive. It's all godly. There's no first and secondary and third. It's all alive. So, so, but then Hashem created the ten utterances, which is Hashem created the world of sequence. First comes the letter Beis, and then comes the letter Reish, and then comes the letter Aleph, and first is first, and the secondary, and third. But 
from Hashem's point of view, the truth is really everything is created, everything is one. It's, it's as if all is created at once. And everything that exists in the heaven and earth is Bereshis, is the first. This is a level of holiness, of godliness that permeates the world. But where, where do you sense that? You don't sense it anywhere. The whole world, you sense the sequence and the differentiation and the separation and the fragmentation. But where do you sense the Bereshis, the beginning? That everything is godly and everything is connected, plugged in, everything is connected. This is the holy land which parallels the divine land, which receives directly from Chachmah, which receives directly from the infinite light. So you have words and you have letters, but they're godly words, they're magical words, they're holy words, they're words that are alive. Words that are not words, most words are flat, they're dead. They conceal, they hide. But then you have words that reveal, that stir, that that shift, that help you. That, that touch you in the deepest place, words that are alive, a land that's an Eretz HaKodesh. That's what's unique about Israel. It's an earthly land, but it's not an earthly land. It's a land that's permeated with holiness, with godliness, with the infants, with Hashem. And this happens at Rosh Hashanah, Reishis, the Rosh Hashanah, the beginning. The eyes of Hashem are there, may Reishis Hashanah from the beginning of the year. It's Reishis. This land is alive. And every Rosh Hashanah, there's a renewal. It's a brand new energy. It's a brand new experience. It's not the same old, same old. It's the same world. <laughs> Continuing. If you, took, uh, if you took the world, uh, if you took it to a laboratory, you don't see the difference. What's the difference the day before Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, the day after Rosh Hashanah? You don't see. But the reality is, from the inside out, it's the, the energy, the life, it's a brand new world. And therefore, as the Rebbe says, it can't help but also affect the world externally. Because when the words and letters are magical, are special, are filled, are words that suddenly now these words are godly and words that stir and shift, and then it, it can't help, but it translates also physically that it's a good year, it's a blessed year, it's a, it's, a, it's a new year. Good things will happen this year that never happened before. Not just spiritually, there's a brand new energy. That the world is dynamic and pulsating with life and godly and alive and, and new, brand new and fresh. But that freshness will also translate even physically. They have new opportunities and new blessings and new doors open. The new, you know, the world is the world is con- is dynamic. The world is constantly moving and progressing, and because the world is alive, because it's connected to the source of life. But where do you sense this? On Rosh Hashanah. When do you sense this? On Rosh Hashanah. Where do you sense it? In Israel. In the Holy Land. Who senses it? The Holy Jew. The Jew. Especially the eyes of the Jew, the tzaddik. That's why by Hasidim, they would make a point of spending davening Rosh Hashanah with the Rebbe. At the Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, you want to go to the Rosh, B'nai Yisrael, the head of the Jewish people. Especially you come to a holy place. The land of Israel. So when you have that triple combination, as in Yom Kippur, the holiest Jew, on the holiest day, entering in the holiest spot on earth, you have that, that's that's the triple magical combination. And that's the definition of holiness. Of course Hashem is everywhere. 
But everywhere you don't sense Hashem. The world is called Olam, from the word, the root word Helem, Hashem is hidden. The world is created with ten mamaros, it's, which is sequential and is separated, and everything has its own energy, so it's fragmented. But holiness is where you sense the inner, you sense the godliness, you sense Hashem. You sense the connection to Chachm, which is connected to the infinite. So you sense that's egolessness. And when you sense the inner life, it's pulsating, which is palpable. That's the definition of Kedusha, of holiness, where godliness is palpable, godliness is felt. So on Rosh Hashanah, that's when godliness is palpable. That's when we see that renewal, that dynamic energy, the process of renewal, withdrawal of the old light, the day before Rosh Hashanah, the night of Rosh Hashanah, and then on Rosh Hashanah, especially during the day, by blowing of the shofar, that's when you see this brand new light that comes into the world. And you would see that, you know, the Rebbe would blow shofar, and afterwards he would, you would see a face would glow after the shofar. You know, he would turn around to look at everyone, because the Kabbalists say that there's a, one who blows the shofar should look, look at the whole crowd after. He would take a moment and look around at everyone. But he saw the Rebbe's face was glowing because it was a renewed energy. Uh, you, know, it's, you know, when you're plugged in and you're connected and you sense it and you live it and you breathe it, you experience it, you sense that holiness was palpable, that divine, godly energy. So for a Jew, Rosh Hashanah is an experience. It's something very real is happening. It's not just rituals, dip the apples in the honey, nice, we go to Shul and blow shofar, something very real is, is happening that affects the whole universe because there's a brand new revelation of Godliness voracious, a brand new beginning we've never experienced before never felt before this is what happens every Rosh Hashanah afterwards by means of the sounding of the shofar and by means of the prayers a new and superior light is elicited a light of a yet higher rank in the sphere of supreme Chachma to radiate the era to Yona and those who dwell upon it, i.e. to all the higher and lower worlds that receive their vitality from it, i.e. from the infinite unself life and from Hashem's Kafma which is vested in it, i.e. in the higher land. As it is written, for with you is the source of life and your life is your life. Supreme Kafma, which is the source of life, is with you, i.e. nullified and unified with the Ainsof. In your light, i.e., in the light that radiates from Chachma to the higher land, we shall see light, i.e., the light that descends from the higher land and illumines all the created beings which receive their vitality from it. Your light, we will see light. With your light, the infinite light that illuminates Chachma, and from Chachma, it illuminates the earth, it illuminates the words and the letters and the creative energy with which Hashem creates all, all of the worlds. This refers to the light that radiates from Supreme Chachma, the source of life. And as is known to the scholars of the hidden wisdom, i.e. the Kabbalists, every Rosh Hashanah, the Nasira, takes place. And the Sphira of Malchut receives new, more sublime Mochen, and so on. This is a Kabbalistic theme regarding the rebuilding of the Sphira of Malchut that takes place every Rosh Hashanah. The paradigm of this sequence is the slumber that Hashem brought upon Adam on the day of his creation, which took place on the day of Rosh Hashanah, 
and the subsequent excision in Thera of the rib from which Eve was then formed. Kabbalah explains that Adam is a terrestrial echo of supernal man, i.e. the bracket of Sephira, known collectively as Zah, acronym for Zerampin, of the world of Atsilu. Slumber alludes to the withdrawal of the eternal intellectual attributes, or Mokhan, from Zah, just as, a, as man's intellect withdraws during sleep. The new and more sublime Mokhan, which are then drawn down into Malkut, are far superior to the Mokhan that Malkut had previously received from Zah. What happened the first Rosh Hashanah is that Adam, Hashem put Adam to sleep. And he performed an operation on him and out came from Adam, came Chava. But this idea that every Rosh Hashanah the world is put to bed, the world is asleep. Just like when a person is asleep, the mind doesn't function, the consciousness doesn't function and the soul withdraws to its source. So although it's a, is it like a gap and there's a emptiness and there's a void and you're in a state of very low level, a very state of sleep, your body is completely at a very low level, you're horizontal, you're in the same level as the animal. While you're awake, you're standing up, you're, right, there's no consciousness. Then you're on the level of the animal, you're horizontal, your mind and your legs are on the same level, a very low level. But the point of this all, what, why did Hashem make it this way? The point of this all is that when there's a void, it creates a hunger. When you feel the darkness and you feel the emptiness and you feel the disconnect and you're like so disconnected from your energy, from your life, from your source of life, it creates a tremendous yearning, a tremendous hunger for Hashem. Suddenly it's, it's withdrawn, it's taken away from you. And you don't even have your regular awakeness and awareness. You're, you're like comatose, you're out. No life, no energy. So it, it evokes such a powerful yearning, hunger for Hashem. And that's why we pour our hearts out on Rosh Hashanah, crying to Hashem, praying to Hashem, blowing the shofar and doing teshuvah. That that powerful yearning draws down a brand new energy, a much more powerful energy, a much more central energy. It's not just we restore the soul back to the body. It's not just restoring. It's renewal. It's something new. But to get to that experience, to get to that renewal, you have to have the withdrawal. It's like, you know, when you shoot a, a needle. First you withdraw, you create a vacuum. And that creates the pressure. And then you shoot, you can shoot much, very far. So it's this vacuum that actually creates this intense pressure, which catapults a new, a new vigor, a new life, a new energy, a new... So this is what makes us able to receive, this is what makes us able to draw down a powerful energy. We touch Hashem in such a deep place because we are moved to our core. This emptiness and this void touches us to the core. We feel suddenly lost. The world is lost. The world is asleep. The world is not itself. You don't feel yourself. You have such a hunger. You want to get healthy again. You want to be back to yourself. You want to, 
You want life again. You have such a hard, because you don't now suddenly you don't take it for granted. It's not there and it's absent. Suddenly you feel that desire and that need to be healthy and for life and for energy and vitality. That hunger draws down from Hashem a total brand new energy, a new energy that never existed before. So that's the vessel that brings down that, that new energy. So that's the dynamic. That's how Hashem created. That's the purpose of the Nasira of this descent, of this experience, in order to be able to... And Adam came back even stronger. Adam, then he walked out, Adam and Chava. <laughs> totally new. So this is what happens every Rosh Hashanah. And now he's going to say, the truth is, in a miniature way, this is really what happens every day. The whole idea of sleep. Every day we go to sleep. Why did Hashem create sleep? Such a royal waste of time third of our life we've been sleeping for some more than a third <laughs> some people sleepwalk through life you know this woman walks over to the rabbi <laughs> after and he says uh, he says don't mind my husband you know I know he walked out in the middle of of the sermon please don't mind my husband he says yeah, yeah I'll die. the rabbi says be honest with you he was very disconcerting in the middle of my speech so suddenly in front of everyone he walks out you don't understand. My husband, ever since he's a child, he always sleeps, walks. <laughs> so, why did Hashem create that we have to sleep? We should, life should be continuous. A horse never sleeps, right? It just takes uh, naps, closes his eyes, winks, doesn't, doesn't really sleep. Why did He create that we sleep? So much. It's a waste of time. Can you imagine how much we can accomplish? Sleep for a half hour and that's it. Get a power nap. Right? Which animal sleeps like 18 hours? The tigers, wild lions. The big sleep, big puffers. <laughs> king, he's a king. He can sleep, he can sleep in. <laughs> uh, but the answer is because Hashem gave us the great, greatest gift. That every day, it's a brand new day. Not just a continuation of yesterday. Not the same old, same old. You know, it gets tired after a while. But the ability to experience something brand new. And that's really the ultimate quality of the infinite. The ultimate quality of the, of the infinite is not that it never ends. The ultimate quality of the infinite is every day it's new. It's a new experience. It's a new day. There's never been a day like this, never will be. Every day has its own unique energy and its own unique possibilities and its own unique flavor. This is the gift that Hashem is giving us. We should experience life. You wake up, it's a brand new day. It's like you're born again. It's like a brand new world. The sun is rising, the world is fresh. Happened yesterday is yesterday. A, A whole new start, a whole new beginning. You can start all over again. It's an amazing thing. You can start all over again. Every day you can start all over again. So it's not just you sleep and your soul is restored. He says, no. Every day, in a sense, it's a new energy, it's a new possibility. It's, a, it's not just a restoration of yesterday. It's that element. Every day it's a brand. And that's what, that's what davening is about. Davening is a time. In the morning, you start the day with davening. Because every day is like a miniature year, a miniature world. It's in a microcosm. Every day contains as a reflection of what happens on a, on a microcosm. And the whole year... That dynamic, that energy, that 
cycle, every day you experience it in a small way. When, you, when you're asleep, you're, you're asleep, your soul goes to heaven, your body is left behind, there's no energy, there's no life, and then a brand new day, you wake up, there's a new, a new energy, and you can dive in with a whole new insight and a whole new understanding and a fresh approach and a renewed, excited approach. So this is the way a Jew lives, this is the way a Jew thinks, this is the way a Jew is wired, that's how we're plugged in. Brand new possibilities. You know, we're the eternal people because we're so full of life and so full of excitement and every day is like a brand new day and every year is a brand new year. It's not like we're the, an ancient people and we're just, you know, we're, oh, we're 3,800 years old. We're the most ancient people on the face of the earth and, you know, the most ancient civilization, uninterrupted, unchanging civilization. The Greeks today have no connection to the Greeks. They may speak Greek, but they have zero connection. If Aristotle landed in Greece today, he wouldn't, he wouldn't feel at home. He has no connection. Just because they eat Greek yogurt doesn't make them Greek. There's no connection. There's no, culture is dead. There's no a Jewish culture, 3,800 years, the exact same culture. If Moshe landed in Ben-Gurion today, he would stop any Jew. He says, I need a pair of tefillin. It looks exactly the same. It's Moshe's tefillin. And every Jewish girl is lighting the same candles that Sarah lit 3,800 years ago. And we're eating the same matzah. And all the 630 mitzvahs, we have the same Torah down to the last letter. This is the most ancient civilization and culture that's alive and hasn't changed and vibrant, hasn't changed one iota. It's the eternal. But it's dynamic. Because it's like a brand new day. It's like we are, as Mark Twain said about the Jews, the Jews are like in their youth. Is everything in this world lives and dies. Stars, planets, people, civilizations, everything. You grow old, you die out. Is there a company in the world that's been around 3,800 years? <laughs> Could you find in, in Wall Street a company that's been a world? We've been around, this is the best stock to invest in. We've been around 3,800 years. In every million, we never left the front pages. The world is still obsessed with the Jew. The same, the same energy they've been obsessed with the last 30 years, nothing changed. So, because we are at our youth, he said, the Jewish people, they haven't lost any of their youthfulness and their vigor and their energy. It's like the best is yet to come. Mashiach is coming. We didn't even start yet. We're just scratching the surface. It's 3,800 years. It's just, we're just getting started. <laughs> this is just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet. All the discoveries, everything we've discovered in this world, all the mysteries and discoveries, we haven't even scratched the surface. There's such infinite treasures and mysteries and wisdom and abilities in this world that we, we, don't, we, we, haven't, we can't even begin to fathom. We haven't even scra- barely scratched the surface of all the infinite possibilities. That's why all those try to scare us. You know, population control, the world is over. You know, we're depleting our resources and God forbid to have another baby and how dare you have another baby and how dare. It's so foolish. We haven't even, we haven't even scratched the surface of the surface of the possibilities that exist in this world, of the treasures, of the infinite possibilities that Hashem gave. We're just beginning in the tip of the tip of the iceberg. We're beginning to realize how much infinite depth there is and how much possibilities there is in this world for abundant life and long life and healthy life and abundance for every human being for seven billion and more. Because it's, it, that's the Jewish attitude. It's fresh. It's new. 
we're so eager, we have something to look forward to. There's, there's so much infinite... Every day is a brand new day. That's how we approach every day. That's how we approach life. It's a brand new day, brand new possibility. What happened yesterday is yesterday. I messed up yesterday. Today's a brand new day. Hashem gave me a new chance. I can start my life all over again. Because the energy, the world is starting all over again. The world is constantly being recreated. It's a brand new world. It's such an optimistic, it's such a positive approach to life. If you don't grow old, that excitement for life and that hunger for life and that appetite for life and that for new experience and new discoveries and it's infinite. It's it's it's, it's. So, so this is this is the whole Weltanschauung of the Yid of the Jew. This is the way we look at life. This is why we experience reality. Constant renewal. It's the back and forth. The energy, the old energy is withdraws, and then a new energy replaces it. It's not the same old energy returns and restored. We're not looking for restoration. A new energy replaces the old energy. We exchange the old energy and we exchange it for a brand new energy. This happens in a miniature way every day, in a bigger way, bigger scale, every Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh, it's a renewal, it's a Chidush. And on Rosh Hashanah, on a grand scale, on Rosh Hashanah, every Rosh Hashanah, Hashem is creating the whole universe over again, which also happens to be on Rosh Chodesh. Renewal. Creativity. Alive. In a very specific way, this takes place every day. More sublime mochan are elicited by every morning prayer, which are not the original mochan that withdrew after the prayer of the previous day, but more sublime ones. In general terms, with respect to the world as a whole, and not only with regard to the daily elicitation of new mochan during prayer experienced by an individual man, during the 6,000 years of the world's existence, this occurs every Rosh Hashanah. And this is the meaning of the above-quoted verse, Forever are the eyes of the Lord your God upon it. For eyes is an epithet for the efflux of radiation of the light of Kachman, for which reason sages are referred to as the eyes of the congregation, for they are illumined by the light of Kachma, which is known by the epithet eyes. And this, too, is the meaning of the teaching. The atmosphere of the land of Israel makes one wise. For so the land of Israel, too, is illumined by Kachma. As was stated above, forever are the eyes of the Lord your God upon it, refers to a constant illumination by Kachma. The eyes, just like the eyes, the wise people, the eyes of the community, the Chachamim, the holy ones who are connected, who sense the divine, who see crystal clear, they see clearly their vision is clear, they can see clearly, they see the divine energy constantly creating the world they're plugged in, they're connected, it's palpable to them, just like with your eyes, you can see it's tangible, to them godliness is something you can see, it's not just you abstract, it's alive the creative, creative artist he sees, he has a vision, he can see it's alive, Hashem is alive godliness is alive, and that's why they are the leaders of the community, because when they talk about godliness, they're talking about something that's familiar to them. Like talking something abstract, philosophical, otherworldly. It's alive for them. They're talking about something that they can see, they can envision. The artist envisions it and he puts it on paper. The wise men of the community, the Ene Eida, they can see godliness. 
And to them, it's like I see something physical. I can see it. It's real. It's a reality. Not just I hear and I listen and it's abstract. It's philosophical. So too, the land, the eyes of Hashem are in the Holy Land. This is the definition of holiness. Hashem's eyes are constantly there. Meaning, of course, everything in this world, everything is under the eyes of Hashem. Hashem watches everything. Everything is divine providence. This is one of the fundamental revolutions of Hashem to that everything in this world, the tiniest detail is by divine providence. So the eyes of Hashem is constantly in everything in this world. Everything is divine providence. Nothing in this world happens by accident. The tiniest detail, everything is by divine providence. And yet the verse says, the eyes of Hashem are on the land of Israel. Not in New York, Boston, London, Rome, Moscow. Hashem is only watching the land of Israel. That's what the verse says. Divine providence, Hashem is watching over everything. Of course Hashem is watching over everything. And everything is divine providence. But you don't sense that. You don't feel that. In the land of Israel, you can see it. You can sense it. You can feel it. You know, even Ben-Gurion said, a Jew living in the Middle East, and Israel doesn't believe in miracles, is not a realist. You can sense Hashem's miracles. It's tangible. There's a, there's a special energy that you can feel. Of course, Hashem is watching everything and everyone, but you don't feel it. You don't sense it. But in the land of Israel, you can feel, you can sense, you can sense the holiness. And you know, the Talmud describes how the rabbis would kiss the ground of Israel. They would roll in the, in, the, in the sand in the land of Israel. When they had to leave the land and they came back and they kissed it and they realized they sensed it was something so holy and special. The Talmud speaks about someone just walking through the land of Israel, you're already changed and transformed and elevated. Especially if you're buried in the land of Israel something very special holy it's the definition of holy of course Hashem is everywhere but in the land of Israel you can sense it just like a, a holy day what do you mean a holy day every day Hashem is present every day Hashem is not present on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday every day you have to feel Hashem is Shivisi Hashem Onegdi Samud you have to sense that Hashem is accompanying me and standing right before me and is right opposite me from when you wake up in the morning you have to think that Hashem is standing right in front of my bed and Hashem stays with me the rest of the day 24-7 the cameras you can get rid of on your phone but Hashem you can't Hashem is with you 24-7 and you can't cover it it won't help there's no way to hide no way to run but then you have a holy day holy day it's different the day itself is holy you have a holy spot, a holy place. Of course, Hashem is everywhere, but the place itself is holy. A shul, a synagogue, is holy. It's dedicated to Hashem, so there's a holiness there. There's a sense of Hashem. It's palpable, it's tangible. It's, it's at the edge of your sleeve. You can feel it. It's, it's, it's not something that's hidden and concealed. It's accessible. It's transparent. So especially when you have a holy place, and you have a holy day, and you have a holy Jew who senses, who's so alive, who's so 
whose godliness is so accessible, on that day, godliness is more accessible. On a Shabbat, on a holiday, you can touch it, it's, it's feel it. You don't have to dig so deep, it's right there. When you're in a holy place, a holy atmosphere, a holy environment, it's much more accessible. When you're in the presence of a holy Jew, you're plugged in and connected to a holy Jew, the eyes of the community, it's suddenly your godliness becomes more accessible. It's easier for you to access your own godly soul and to feel it and to experience it and to live it. So especially when you have the combination of all three, a holy place on a holy day and you're praying and celebrating together with a holy Jew, with a Rebbe, then you have your godly spark is suddenly so accessible, it's so becomes so tangible and real. So of course Hashem is everywhere. But we're the eyes of Hashem. Where could you sense Hashem's presence? Which is holy and special. That's what makes it special. It's a special land because it's a holy land. Because it's holy earth. That's in the land of Israel. There's only one spot on earth that's called holy. The land of Israel. The holy land. That's where Hashem's presence is palpable. Now this radiation and efflux, though it is continuous, nevertheless, it is not only on one and the same plane and level since the beginning of the world. Rather, every year there is a new and superior light because the light which was generated and which shone on this Rosh Hashanah withdraws to its source on the eve of the next Rosh Hashanah. This enables us to understand the verse that says that the eyes of God are upon the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year only. The verse does not state that they are there everlastingly, for the efflux that descends on Rosh Hashanah lasts only to the end of the year, at which time it withdraws and makes way for the descent of a new and more sublime. He's answering the question. On one hand, the verse says it's constant. Hashem is constantly. It's continuous. And then he goes on to say from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So it's not continuous. It is continuous. He says, no, it's continuous. But it's from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Which is, so then it's continuous, because every year there's never a time when it isn't. It's always from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So the new year starts. So it's both. It's constant, and yet it's, it's a brand new. Because every Rosh Hashanah, get the new light, it's not just a, it's not just a, a replacement, a restoration of the previous light but it's a brand new light. It's an exchange for a higher light, for a higher level. So that light is constant. That light is constant from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. But then that light only lasts from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Because then when the light withdraws to its source, then the new light that comes in is a brand new light. So the new light only lasts for a year. So in general, the light of Hashem is constant. There's always a light of Hashem. There's always an energy, a divine light. But the light is not the same light. It's a much higher light. Because since Hashem is infinite, therefore every year is a brand new light. That's just a renewal. It's a brand new light. Which lasts from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. That is why Mareshi, from the beginning, is written without an olive. It alludes to the thrall of the light signified by the olive. The Aleph represents the Or, the Aleph, the Ein Sof, Hashem's light. Hashem is one. So, Reish is in the beginning of the year, it's Reish. 
Reishis is also means it's poor, it's impoverished, it's missing an aleph, it's missing. Because the world is in a state of sleep, the world is, is in a state of faint, the world has lost its life, lost its energy, lost its luster. You know, the world is tired. Because what is Rosh Hashanah about? Rosh Hashanah, externally we don't see any difference. Hashem creates the world constantly. It's not like Rosh Hashanah, the world disappears and Hashem recreates the world. But physically there's no difference. Physically, the world continues, with or without. For seven billion people, nothing changed, nothing happened in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is non event for them. But all of this is what happens, the inner dynamic. Because it's the pleasure. Hashem lost, so to speak, loses his pleasure for life. You know, when you lose your interest, you can be alive, but when you, when you lose your interest, you lose interest. And it becomes very, uh, very depressing. You lose interest. There's no energy. There's no, I've been there, done that. There's nothing new. There's nothing exciting. There's nothing. When you lose your interest, you lose your energy. Hashem created the world because He's interested in the world. He has an interest in the world. He didn't just create the world for the sake, for no reason. He created the world. He has a reason. He created the world because He has an interest in the world. He wants to accomplish something with the world. There's a theme. There's a purpose. There's a goal. Didn't just create it, just Hashem created it purposefully. And then at the end of the year, the world grows tired. Hashem is like, like lost interest. It's in a state of sleep. Why should I renew this world? Why should I? And Rosh Hashanah, when you blow the shofar, there's a renewed interest, just like the very first time. Hashem created it for the first time. It was a pleasure, a, a desire, a, a excitement, a, an interest in creating the world. Rosh Hashanah, we have to renew that interest. Why is Hashem interested? Why should He create us? I am because I am? <laughs> no. Inherently, we're not. Because we're not. We're nothing. Why should Hashem create us? Why should He bother to create us? What's the point? What's the purpose? You know, there has to be a point and a reason and a purpose and a goal and a theme and a so at the end of the the end of the year like Hashem the energy is gone the pleasure the, the excitement is gone we have to give Hashem a reason to create the world when I, that's why when Hashem sees our humility and He sees our teshuva and He sees our sincerity and He sees our prayers and He sees our unconditional love for each other and he sees the goodness and the kindness and he sees the blowing of the shofar and he sees the accepting upon ourselves the yoke of heaven and our relationship with Hashem and our connection with Hashem and renewing our connection with Hashem and renewing our marriage and our vows and we're so moved and stirred and excited Hashem says ah Hashem suddenly has a whole new energy a whole fresh excitement in creating the world so this is all what happens on the internal this is not on the external. This is on the internal. We who are plugged in sense this, this whole dynamic. Hashem loses interest. The world is in a state of sleep. Like on a coma, a state of faint. The world is comatose. The world is it's out. There's no life. There's no energy. And then through our service, Rosh Hashanah, we clinch the deal. And suddenly there's a renewed interest and and it's a brand new world in that sense. A brand new energy. A brand new excitement. Not just a repeat, restoration, repeat of the same old, old. It's a brand new, like for the very first time, Hashem is creating the world for the very first time. 
So, but externally, the divine energy that creates the world, that remains the same. Physically, the world doesn't disappear the day before Rosh Hashanah. The world is recreated. The physical world remains constant and steady. And that's why for 7 billion people, Rosh Hashanah is just another day. They don't sense, doesn't mean anything. They don't sense any difference. But the inner life, the pleasure behind creation, that's, that energy and that excitement is gone. The day before Rosh Hashanah. And the night of Rosh Hashanah. And has, that's what's renewed on Rosh Hashanah, especially during the day when we, when we blow the shofar. So let's go sound the shofar. When there descends a new and more sublime light that has never yet shown since the beginning of the world. It vests itself and conceals itself in the Eretz HaKhaim, which is above, i.e. in the Malchut of the Tzilu, the source of all worlds and created beings, and in the Eretz HaKhaim, which is below, the, in the land of Israel. For the light that animates the world first passes through the Holy Land, and from there it is diffused throughout the world at large. In order to animate all the worlds for the duration of that year, its manifestation, however, for the light became concealed in the Eretz HaKhaim, above and below, so that its further descent and the revelation of its creative life force to the world and to all its creative beings depends on the actions of those below and on their merits and penitence during the ten days of penitence. This revelation, this new light, goes, passes through the land of Israel, and from the land of Israel, Hashem's divine providence and His new life and, and energy goes from the land of Israel to the rest of the world. So that's the source. That's what the verse says. The eyes of Hashem are constantly in the land of Israel. This renewal, this renewed energy, which brings renewed blessings, and this renewed energy passes through the land of Israel. So what he's trying to tell us, Hasidim, and this is the part of the letter that we, that's not wasn't included. The rest of the letter, because he only put in the parts of the letter, the point that Alter Rebbe is making. But this letter was a fundraising letter. Alter Rebbe is writing to his Hasidim that although they set aside monies for the son of Rabbi Nachman Mendel who had passed away, so the Hasidim wanted to cut those funds. But as it is, they were having difficulty to raise even the the, the rest of the funds. Alter Rebbe says, God forbid. Not only shouldn't you diminish your uh, donations to the land of Israel, you should raise even more funds with a renewed energy. You realize by supporting the land of Israel, by plugging into the land of Israel, by connecting to the land of Israel. And he says, God forbid, in other parts of the letter, he writes, God forbid we should be like those Jews who despise the land of Israel during the time of the spies. They didn't want to enter the land of Israel. We have to show Hashem our love to the land of Israel and our appreciation of the holiness of the land of Israel, how Hashem's eyes are constantly on the land of Israel, how special and unique and holy it is, and only one holy land, and it's plugged in directly to the eyes of Hashem, and which receives from the infinite. And, and this renewal, this dynamic is, is felt in the land of Israel, and from the land of Israel it spreads to the rest of the world. So by giving tzedakah and supporting the land of Israel, the Rebbe suggests they should raise the same funds, but use it for other things, because there's more needs. For example, he says, we're just raising funds to help the families feed themselves. What if, God forbid, there's an emergency, or there's, there's a medical issues, we don't have, there's no money to, he, you know, you need extra money, suddenly you have this burden on top of feeding your family, now you have to, you have to, you have to spend money on medicine, and 
So we'll use those funds for to create a fund, those extra funds that you're raising. Now it's not necessary. You passed away. Let's use those extra funds so they have a, a cushion, they have a fund if there's a, any emergencies, a medical emergency. But God forbid, don't even think for a moment to lessen, use this as an excuse to raise less funds. On the contrary, he says, you should, he says, and I want you, when we started this project, Kolul Chabad, to support the community in Israel, there was a, there was a, a felt excitement. You can, there was an excitement here. It was something new. Alter Rebbe says, now I realize after many years, people lost their ardor, their passion, their excitement. It's same old, same old. So he's saying, are you kidding? I want you to reignite that excitement and realize it's not about the same old, same old. The whole theme of the land of Israel is that it's constantly new. It's constantly fresh. Every year it's a new experience. It's a new land. It's a new holiness. It's a new connection. It's, it's our connection to the land of Israel. We also have to follow and live up to that that we should renew our connection and renew our love. And it's a brand new love. It's a brand new land. It's a brand new holiness. It's a brand new connection. So by supporting and supporting the land of Israel, giving tzedakah, giving tzedakah anywhere is powerful, but especially how much more so when you give tzedakah to the land of Israel. You're plugging into the source of life. You're plugging into Hashem who's so palpable in the land of Israel. That's what connects us. That's what will connect us. And that's what's going to draw down. We receive the blessing from the land of Israel. So the more we support the land of Israel, we will receive, we will be in the receiving and we will receive that new energy and receive that new blessings that all come, flow from the Holy Land. Because that's where all the blessings come from. Just like Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year. And the head contains the whole entire year. And the blessing is drawn down. This renewed energy is drawn down in Rosh Hashanah and from it it spreads throughout the whole year. Just like the head of the, the brain. That's what senses the whole soul and from there, that's the command and control center of the whole body. From there, the life force flows to the whole body. And the body is plugged into the head. So too, the Eretz Yisrael is the head of the year. Rosh Hashanah is also Rosh Hashanah. Beginning of the year, the head of the year. And that all, so Israel is like the head. The more plugged in you are to the head, that's where you receive your life from. So if we are connected to the land of Israel by supporting the land of Israel and giving tzedakah to the land of Israel, we are connected to the head. That's where all that energy is concentrated in. That's where that energy is palpable. That's where Hashem's eyes are constantly from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And people in Israel can testify. And even during the worst times of the bombings, for every bombing, there were 99 that, that they caught and miraculously they were able to catch. You see open divine providence. You see open miracles and constant. You see that some more so in the land of Israel. So all that energy and life is concentrated in the land of Israel. And from there it spreads to the whole world. Like from the brain, from the head, it spreads to the whole world. So the Rebbe says, you want to connect the land of Israel. You want to strengthen that connection. You want to renew that connection. Every year with a new excitement, a new energy and vigor. And that will guarantee you all the renewed blessings. Not, not just renewed blessings, but new blessings. Open up new paths in your life. Open up new doors. New connections. So this is a very powerful letter. And you see how the Rebbe used to speak about the land of Israel. Constantly quote this verse, the eyes of Hashem are constantly on the land, Eretz HaKodesh, the Holy Land. 
You know, he spoke about Israel with such love and such, it was so palpable. You know, the Rebbe would meet all these Israeli generals. They said he knew more about Israel and every corner and everything that's happening in Israel and even the army more than, more than they did. He was so interested and so involved and engaged in everything that's happening in the Holy Land because this is the Holy Land. There's only one Holy Land. This is the Jewish land. This is Hashem's land. This is holy. any thought and any notion of Jews giving up the land of Israel, relinquishing our land and relinquishing the holy land and Hashem's land and giving it to non-Jews was just so... If you understand the holiness of the land, you understand it's not just another piece of real estate, but the eyes of Hashem are constantly on this land and it's connected to the infinite, it's connected to and it's dynamic and you have this constant renewal and constant then you realize you're living in the palace of Hashem you're living in the royal palace and when you live in the royal palace you, have to, you want to live royally you want to live up when you're in such surroundings you realize you're standing in the royal palace and you see the richness and you want to live royally you want to act royally because you're in the presence of royalty then you want to live up because every Jew is royalty. Every Jew is a prince and princess and has that royal bearing. So you want to live up to it. You want to act that way. You want to carry yourself with the dignity and the pride of being part of the Jewish people, and being a child of Avram, Yisak, and Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. So it it's all comes down to education. It comes down to realizing and learning and understanding what's unique about Israel, what's special about Israel, what makes Israel the Holy Land. It's universally called the Holy Land, universally called Israel, because they know consciously, subconsciously, all seven billion people know consciously, subconsciously, including the Arabs, that Israel belongs exclusively to the nation of Israel. They have no connection to the land of Israel, never had, never will have. Um, but the more you learn, the more you understand, the more you appreciate the depth of our connection. It's a soul connection. Our connection to the land of Israel is a soul connection. It's not like Americans are attached to America or England or, you know, nationalists are attached to England. It runs much deeper than that. It's a soul connection. It's a soul bond. It's a godly connection. So much so that even the land itself is connected. Even the land only responds to Jews. When the Jews, when we were exiled and we were only a few Jews, we were always presence of Jews in the land of Israel, without any interruption. But when we were in a small presence, we did not prevail. The land shriveled, the land shrunk. The land, as Mark Twain described in the 19th century, was a, was a you know, malaria-infested uh, swamp land. And the Jews returned, and the land responded. The physical land. It was gorgeous, stunning. The land came alive. I think Israel boasts the uh, largest uh, gain, net gain, of trees from like a hundred years ago. <laughs> Every other country, the natural trunk, and Israel, it, the land responds to the Jewish people because there's a soul connection between the land of it. It's a holy land. This land is earth, but it's holy earth. It's holy land, and it only responds to the Jewish people. It doesn't respond to anyone else. 
So the land itself is plugged in and connected. It's our land where our soul is connected. We pray three times a day. We physically face the land, any, any Jew in the world. And we pray and we refer to Israel as our land. My ancestors, most Jews, our ancestors haven't been there in 2,000 years. It's still our land. No American after 2,000 years will refer to America as my land. What connection do you have to the land? But it's a soul connection. Every Jewish soul is connected to the land. Every Jew that ever lived, every Jew that's alive, every Jew that ever will live, we're just the caretakers for this holy land. It doesn't, doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Hashem. It's eyes of Hashem are constantly on this land. So the more you're educated, the more you educate yourself, and the more you educate others, the more you understand and realize what our connection to the land is, then, then you realize that there never will be a two-state solution. That's not a solution. That's the problem. The solution is that Israel belongs 100% entirely to the Jewish people always has and always will. And that's the solution. This is, this is the, the, uh, the soul of Israel, the soul understanding what Israel is and the holiness of Israel, which is connected to the soul of the Jew. And so to speak, connected to the soul of Hashem eyes of Hashem constantly watching the land of Israel and through the land of Israel His divine providence spreads throughout the rest of the world so the more Israel is blessed the more the nations of the world will be blessed the day and it will come the day the Arabs make peace with the Jews and make peace with Israel and not only let them live in peace but actually help them and encourage them to be Jewish and to do the right thing, the blessing will spread to the rest of the Middle East. And the Middle East will become Shangri-La. The Middle East will flourish and prosper the moment they bless the Jewish people and let the Jew live in peace and recognize that Israel belongs to the people of Israel and that a Jew's soul connection to the soul of the land that moment will come in our lifetime. Although he explains that every Rosh Hashanah, the energy, the energy the day before Rosh Hashanah, the energy returns back to its source. And on Rosh Hashanah, there's a new the energy is drawn down and it's a new energy and the same as Rosh Chodesh in a certain sense every day but this is different than the discussion that we had it's elsewhere in Hasidus that every Shabbos there's also withdrawal of energy And there it says that the inner energy is withdrawn. And Rosh Hashanah is the external energy that's withdrawn. And the question is, what happens to Rosh Hashanah that falls on Shabbos? <laughs> there's, there's the, the inner energy is withdrawn and the external energy is withdrawn. So how do we exist then? 
When you say energy, are you talking about Sothiv call Amin and Mamala call Amin? It's two different energies. The Rebbe explains, we're talking about two different levels. Shabbos, what happens on Shabbos, and what happens on Shoshanah, even though superficially it may seem to be the same idea, that the energy is, which draws back to its source, but we're actually talking about two different things, no connection. Every Shabbos, the creative energy, the godly creative energy, it's creating the world. So that energy it's uplifted to its source. And therefore it's energized. And that's the process of, that's the creative process. Creative process is like when you breathe in and you breathe out. The heartbeat, the pulse of life. It's in and then it, it withdraws out, outwardly, and then you take a breath in you draw the breath back in and then you breathe out and you breathe in it's a constant back and forth that's the dynamic six days a week the creative energy reveals itself externally like the thought animates the speech and then you withdraw inwardly you withdraw to yourself it withdraws back to its source and in this withdrawal, uh, the world is elevated. But being this is all in relate, this is all in relation to the inner energy. Only the Jew senses this. To the non-Jew, Shabbos is like any other day. There's absolutely no difference between Shabbos and Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday. But the Jew who's in tune with the inner, inner dynamic, senses that the world is elevated, senses the elevation of the world, the world is elevated, because that very same creative energy is elevated and withdraws back to its source, and is like replenished, re-energized, and then it's blessed on Shabbos, it's blessed, and the whole future week, upcoming week is blessed on Shabbos, and it's given the strength to go back into the world. So it's that constant back and forth that's the dynamic of six days a week in Shabbos on Rosh Hashanah we're talking about something else entirely the key for Rosh Hashanah is creativity something new it's a new year Shabbos is not new Shabbos is not about a new year Shabbos is the world is elevated to its source the world is elevated to its Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Chodesh and the smallest sense, every single day is about newness. It's a new day. It's a brand new day. The sun came out. It's a brand new day. Rosh Chodesh, a brand new month. Rosh Hashanah, a brand new year. This is about almost creative destruction. Today in business, ultimate creativity, companies are constantly destroying themselves. They're putting themselves out of business. Creative destruction to come up with something totally new. And that's the true expression of creativity. The creative person, before the person has the breakthrough, first there has to be a breakdown. You reach a point of darkness where you're confounded and confused and you're stuck and you're frustrated and you're in a dead end and you don't see any way out and you don't understand and it's so complex and so confounding. And suddenly, there's a breakthrough. 
suddenly there's a bolt of lightning, there's a, a whole new direction, a new inspiration, a whole new thought, a creative thought, a creative idea, something completely unexpected, unpredictable. But in order to get to this breakthrough, first there has to be almost like a death. There has to be like a, a complete breakdown. Just like when a person sleeps. Your soul goes to heaven and your body is, is, is half dead. Sleep is the 60th of death. So you're going in opposite directions. Your soul is soaring in heaven and your body is, 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 is one step closer to the grave. And then in the morning, your neshama comes back and you're alive again. A brand new day, a brand new energy. And he says that Chachma, which is the creative idea, the breakthrough, the newness, the freshness, which is what Rosh Hashanah represents, a brand new year, a brand new energy, a brand new day, a brand new month, is connected to Aretz, to earth. Because where's the ultimate creativity in earth? But again, how do you have creativity in earth? It also has to be a destruction. The seed has to rot. Only when the seed completely rots, and then almost like we learned in the previous chapters and letters, almost like something out of nothing, something from this little seed that turns into nothing, suddenly this huge tree grows from this little. So the creative process comes about through the breakdown, through the... And that's what Rosh Hashanah is. It says the day before Rosh Hashanah, the night of Rosh Hashanah, the world is like in a state of sleep. The old energy is dead. It's like a person loses, you lose your... God doesn't stop speaking. God is speaking. Otherwise the world would cease to exist. But the pleasure is God. We all know when you're doing something... And when you do something and you're enthusiastic about it, or you're doing something and it's heavy and it's leaden, you have no interest, you're burnt out, you lost your interest, the pleasure is gone, the will is gone, you're going through the motions. But, so God is speaking, but He, so to speak, lost His will and His energy and His pleasure in this speech, in this project. It's only on Rosh Hashanah day, especially when we blow the shofar and through the service of the Jewish people, that we renew God's interest in this project and creation and God's speech and speaking and creating the world. God has a whole renewed pleasure, renewed pleasure and renewed interest in the project of existence and creation as a result of our service. So even though superficially we're talking about the same thing, it sounds like the same thing, every Shabbos and every Rosh Hashanah, it's two different things, we're talking about two different, like you said, the difference between Malik Kalam and Seva Kalam in a sense. You know, there is a process of, like the soul giving life to the body, it's so the process is, it comes in contact with the body and then it withdraws, you breathe in, you breathe out, that's the pulse of life, that's the nature, it's the dance of life, it's a dance. Six days a week, the divine energy is expressing itself in creation and then the divine energy withdraws into himself, into God himself so to speak, which renews and revigorates and rejuvenates and recharges and then that energy is protected again the next week and this is a cycle that goes on it's a constant dynamic that happens every single week, we don't keep Shabbat because God kept Shabbos 5,775 years ago because every week this happens, repeats itself each and every week, this is the pulse of life 
And therefore there's no withdrawal. You don't have to go through the, any destructive stage. This is the process. And the world is elevated. The vessel is elevated. The physical world is elevated, is refined on Shabbos. Klippa, there's no more Klippa Snoiga. If we ate during the week, like we ate on Shabbat, we would be called a glutton. Yet to eat on Shabbos, it's a mitzvah. Because the food is refined. Every, the whole world is refined. It's a different world. We, we sense it. That, that's the reality. Because the energy is withdrawn and the vessel is withdrawn with it. The, the world is elevated with it. Versus Anosh Hashanah, we're talking about the memalical the element. God is creating the world with His speech. It's enclosed. Everything in this world has its own unique letters and words and name, Hebrew name and Hebrew letters. It's animating it and sustaining it and creating it and gives us its shape, its personality, its characteristic traits. And then Rosh Hashanah, God loses his interest before Rosh Hashanah. And now we need a renewal. It's creative. It's a new year. Rosh Hashanah, it's the beginning of the year. It's, the begin- it's a new year. Rosh Chodesh, it's a new month. Every day is a brand new day. But in order to get to that level, first there has to be a creative destruction. You have to reach a level of nothingness. The world is like in a sleep or, in a, or a comatose. No energy, no strength, half dead. And then the next day, a new, brand new creative energy. And that's why he's connecting it to the land of Israel. That's why the Pasuk says, where are the eyes of God, which refers to Chachma, which is the creative energy. Where is that? A breakthrough, a bolt of light, a breakthrough, a revelation that comes from Hashem's infinite self. Where does this, ha- this happen? Where does this manifest? In the land. Because the land is where the ultimate creativity is. And which land are we referring to? There's only one land. The land of Israel. So that's where that creativity, that divine energy is manifest. And that's why the Alter Rebbe, the theme and the point of the Alter Rebbe, there's no letter like this in all of the letters where the Alter Rebbe speaks so strongly about our love for Eretz Yisrael, the Jews love for Eretz Yisrael. He says, even though we blew it with the spies, and we despise God's gift, but now we have to make up for it, and we have to show Hashem that we love the land that He gave us, so we appreciate the gift that He gave us. And what's the theme of Eretz? As the verse says, the eyes of Hashem are from the beginning of the year, the end of the year, and it's all connected in the land, because it's all about creativity. It's all about something new. A new year. Chachma, the eyes of God, which is creative, which is the window to the, to the infinite. Eretz, which is creative. So the Alter Rebbe says, how, how does our approach to Israel also has to be in the same way? We have to approach Israel with a freshness. Our love for Israel has to be constantly new and fresh and creative. So he's addressing himself to Hasidim who are growing a little weary and tired. They've been supporting this Kolo Chabad. In the beginning, they were excited about it. But, you know, it's... Okay, been there, done that. What else is new? Al-Tarari says, no, you have it all wrong. When it comes to Eretz you can't approach it like stale. It's old. The whole theme of Eretz the whole 
point of Eretz Yisrael. This is the land that reflects Hashem's land, which directly receives from Chachma. The eyes of Hashem are constantly there. And every day and every month and every year, there's a brand new energy. So we have to approach our love for Eretz Yisrael also with a freshness. And that's why in the Hasidim, what happened was they were supporting the son, Rabbi Nachman Levitevsk. And he passed away. So now the Hasidim said, okay, we get a break. Now we can uh, minimize our donations. We don't have that. We don't have to support that family anymore. The Alter says, "Oh my God, what are you? How are you? What are you thinking? Of course, you're not going to minimize. If anything, maybe you should increase." That's not how you approach giving to the land of Israel. If you're giving tzedakah to the land of Israel, you don't approach it like an obligation, and uh, you know, and you're looking for the first excuse you could to cut cut the subsidies. On the contrary, it comes to the land of Israel, you have to increase, you have to, with a renewed love. Just, and there's plenty of uses, we can find uses, usage for that money. He suggests maybe you should make a, a health fund, because the money that they were providing were only enough to feed the family, sustain them. Or God forbid, there was a medical emergency, you need, you need, uh, you need extra sums. There was no money for it. So you take that money that you don't have to support this family one and use it for that. But God forbid you should approach Israel and the stock of Israel. He was sensing there was a tiredness, a staleness. It was like getting old and let's cut here and let's cut there. He says, no, no, that's not, that's not how you approach how do you, you have to show your love for Hashem's land. Your love for Eretz Yisrael. The land that Hashem is constantly renewing with a renewed energy, a creative energy, an energy that has never been there before. A brand new energy. That's the theme of Rosh Hashanah. It's brand new. That's not Shabbos. Shabbos is not about being brand new. Shabbos is that the creative energy needs to be, to be re-energized. So it needs to draw back to its source. Just like the soul. The soul has to breathe in and breathe out. You have to return to yourself and then you manifest outwardly. The creative person has to manifest outwardly and then return to himself. To re- recharge. Re-energize. That's just, the, that's just the process of life. But it's not about a brand new energy. It's just, it reaches its apex, it reaches its climax. You return back to yourself, and now I have the energy to breathe back in, to give life again. Because the moment you lose touch with yourself, the moment the soul loses touch with itself, it no longer has the ability to give life. The moment the creative person loses touch with himself, he's no longer creative. The, if the Jew is not in touch with himself, if for one day a week the Jew cannot disconnect from the world and get in touch with his own center and his own essence, then he doesn't have the ability to affect the world and to illuminate the world. So that's, that's the normal pulse of life. That's the normal process, rhythm of life. Six days a week outward, and one day a week you withdraw. It's not about creative, something new. Rosh Hashanah is about creativity. It's a brand new energy. Eretz Yisrael, land, is where Hashem put His ultimate creativity. It's brand new. It's a creative energy. Rosh Chodesh. Every day in a certain miniature way. It's a brand new day. It's a new energy. Every day has its own unique flavor and energy. There never was a day like that. There never will be. So you have to approach, when it comes to the land of Israel, Alter Rebbe says, you have to approach it with, create, with a brand new, fresh zeal and zest and excitement and energy. It's not the same tzedakah you gave last year. It's a new land. It's a new, it's a new divine energy. It's a new, a new year. It's a new... You have to approach it with a freshness. 
not the same old, same old, tired, stale approach. So that's the key, that's the theme of the Alter Rebbe. He's trying to make that point in a very strong way, very profound way, very powerful way. How we have to look, appreciate what Eretz Yisrael is, appreciate the dynamic of Eretz Yisrael, appreciate the dynamic of that creative dynamic. And that's how you have to approach everything that's connected to Eretz Yisrael and everything that's associated with our love, to demonstrate our love for Eretz Yisrael. And especially when we're giving tzedakah for Eretz, Eretz Yisrael. So that's the point of, that was just to, to summarize chapter 14. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.